scripture reading is from the book of Judges, chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Uh, it's on the front of the uh, bulletin. Uh, Deborah and Barak. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. And the commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosh Agoim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidadoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoham, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take position at Mount Tabor. Bring 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. The word of God for the people of God. You know, in a lot of families, there is the tradition of going around the Thanksgiving table and um, parents love it. It tortures their kids, making us stare at food, wonderful food, all this delightful food, and we can't eat it until we say something for which we are thankful. So we're going to do that now. We're just going to go around the whole sanctuary, every single person. You're going to wish we had by the time I get done with this scripture passage. It is one of the strangest ones in all of scripture. And there are some strange passages. You're talking about a book where a man gets swallowed by a fish. That's a weird story. You're talking about a book where a a super strong man loses all of his strength because he gets a haircut. That's a weird story. It's strange. But this one, this one beats them all. Lord, open our hearts to your word today. Give us eyes to see. Uh, We just pray for your wisdom and your strength and for our obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we encountered ten maidens, five of whom who ran out of oil. Share with us, they cried. My perfect grandson is turning four in January. For three years of his life, my or his parents have been trying to teach him how to share. Even parents who have nothing to do with the Christian faith at all try from the earliest days to teach their children to share. So the maidens cry out, share with us. 
And they are told, no. And the door to the wedding feast is slammed shut in their faces. That's not very Christian. Well, today we jump from the frying pan into the fire. God tells the Israelites to attack the Canaanites. That army outnumbered the Israelites significantly. That army had 900 chariots of iron. Think of it as if you were cresting a hill only to come face to face with 900 tanks. Nothing but tanks as far as the eye can see. Well, no wonder Barak was more than a little hesitant to engage this enemy even at the Lord's command. You know, I wish the Bible would tell us what people are thinking at certain times. When David is looking at Goliath, did he ever doubt? Did he ever say, okay, God, I take it back? I wonder what he was thinking. When Jesus first called Peter to walk on water, he said, get out of the boat. He said, well, that wasn't the answer I wanted. Can't, can't you work some sort of magic? I mean, that, that moment, I wonder if there was doubt there. Have you ever had that moment of doubt? You know something is the right thing to do, but it's a hard thing to do. Have you had that moment of doubt? Barak was there, and I think it was understandable. 900 tanks against sticks and wood shields, maybe. Who knows? He agreed to fight, but only if Deborah agreed to go with him. Well, what kind of coward is that? He has to hide behind a woman's skirts. That wasn't the situation. Barak knew that Deborah was well-loved, that she would inspire the men to greater things than they could do without her. Now, keep in mind, she was actually ruling Israel at the time. Some Bible translations actually say she was ruling Israel. Uh, the one we happen to read say she was deciding, judging. She was a judge of Israel, which meant not only did she have the authority of a ruler, but she was the mouthpiece of God. It wasn't that she was speaking for God, it was that God was speaking through her. Her words were that serious. So I hope you catch that. In God's world, women rule nations, but in our world, some women cannot be ordained or go to school or vote. 
I like pointing out those times in Scripture when God's view is so much larger than our narrow views. But none of that's the problem. None of that is the problem. Because, of course, the Israelites were victorious. What are 900 chariots uh, against the power of God? It's not a fair fight. Canaanites never had a chance. But Sisera, the commander of the Canaanite army, escapes. He comes across a tent, and a woman named Jael invites him in to rest. Now keep in mind two things. When you are invited in, when you are fed in that time, in that place, the, the host, or in this case the hostess, was oath-bound to be your protector. They would treat you as a family member at that time. And he goes in, and she feeds him. And she says, why don't you go in and rest? And he falls asleep. And when he does, she kills him by driving a tent stake through his head, pinning him to the ground. Now, you ready to go around and say what you're thankful for? It's just another sweet Bible study, Bible story. On the Sunday before Thanksgiving, who writes this lectionary? I mean, with all the violence already in the world, who needs a Bible story about a tent stake through the brain? Don't too many people already use religion to justify hatred and violence? J.L.'s victim was her guest. He was asleep. He had never harmed her or her people, in fact. Calling her actions heroic stretches that phrase to its very limits. But according to Deborah, it is fair and it is righteous. By this time in my life, I shouldn't be surprised by our surprising God. But I always am. This is far from the first time that the Almighty has acted in a way we could never expect. God tells Abraham and Sarah in their old age to strap a child's safety seat on the backs of their camels. And they are learning how to change diapers and warm bottles and assemble a crib. Oh, and one more thing. They're also learning that with God, 
anything can happen, and often does. Jacob is a con man. He's a crook. And God chooses Jacob. And God wrestles Jacob to the ground in a headlock. And God blesses him. The most famous story of them all, the wedding invitations have been mailed. Joseph has made a hefty down payment on the reception hall. They have had a few premarital counseling sessions with the local rabbi. And suddenly Joseph discovers that Mary is having a baby without any help from him. Mysterious? Of course. Miraculous? Absolutely. Expected? Not a chance. And my job as the pastor is to find grace and healing in this story about a woman who drove a tent peg through an enemy's head. Most of the time I can read the scripture and say, go with God, do likewise. Not a chance this time. Not going to happen. So where is that grace? Barak listened to the woman who is both judge and prophet for Israel. It was obedience to God's will that gives Barak the victory. Deborah, the ruler of Israel, raised her voice, but never a weapon. This story reminds us that there are times when God demands that we raise our voices to join God in the fight against injustice, in situations of oppression, cruelty, and to engage those battles trusting in God's deliverance. I think of the people we named in our prayer time. If Barak thought it was hard to attack 900 chariots, think of the battles they are facing right now, the spiritual battles, the emotional battles. The grace in this story is that if God can conquer 900 tanks, God can do it for them. When we hear and when we obey, the most glorious message of all is this. Fred Fred Craddock taught a preaching class for decades. He influenced thousands of preachers who in, turn, who in turn influenced tens of thousands of souls. And he loved telling people about the time he returned to the little church of his childhood. 
He had not visited there in years. And walking into the sanctuary, he was surprised to see that they had purchased new stained glass windows. And inscribed at the bottom of each was the name of the donor. To his dismay, Mr. Craddock was not familiar with any of those names. You must have had a good number of people join the congregation since I was a boy, Craig said to a woman after the worship service, because I don't recognize a single name. She said, oh, those people aren't members here. This town hasn't grown a bit since you were a child, and neither has this church for that matter. Well, then how did you get these beautiful windows? That's kind of an interesting story, she said. You see, they were made by an Italian company for a church in St. Louis. Unfortunately, when they arrived, none of the windows fit. The company apologized, of course, and said they would make new windows, but they were too expensive to ship back. So the company told this church to just sell them wherever they could. And so we bought the windows from them. But don't you want to remove the names, Fred asked? Well, we thought about it, the woman explained. We even discussed it at the board meeting. We're just a little church, you know, not many of us. There's never any new people. So we decided that it was important for us to remember all those folks we will never meet through whom the Lord is working in ways we will never know. God used Deborah and Barak and Jael who did not even share their faith to accomplish God's plan. Think about that for a minute. You see, holding hands like we do at a, the end of the worship service is the right thing to do. Because this story reminds us we are in this work together. And that we are called to do our part and to trust God with the rest. And if God will bring Barak and Deborah and Jael and how many others just to accomplish God's will, what will God use for us when God has no limits? So every one of you who had a prayer request this morning, share that with your friends. Don't tell them the part about the tent peg. That is just very strange. But do tell them the part 
where God will use everything, even unexpected things, even surprising things, to accomplish God's good and perfect will in their lives. And they can trust that. And that is the grace. And it is more than enough for me. Amen.